Welcome to the. <laughs> Welcome to. <laughs> what? Welcome to the Sword and Trowel Podcast. I'm Tom Askell. I'm Jared Longshore. And we are here bringing you this podcast through Founders Ministries. And Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. Jared and I have been talking through the statement on social justice and the gospel, which you can find at statementonsocialjustice.com. And Jared, today we are on Article 8, right? Regarding the church. That's right. Let me read the affirmation. And then we'll look at the denial. It says, We affirm that the primary role of the church is to worship God through the preaching of His Word, teaching sound doctrine, observing baptism and the Lord's Supper, refuting those who contradict, equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. We affirm that when the primacy of the gospel is maintained, that this often has had a positive effect on the culture in which various societal ills are mollified. We affirm that under the Lordship of Christ, we are to obey the governing authorities established by God and pray for civil leaders. You affirm that? I do. I like it. So what's good about it? It's laboring to emphasize the distinctness of the church. It's a distinct institution. It has certain responsibilities, and we ought not be moved off those responsibilities. We can be moved off those responsibilities, and if we do so, then we're going to be found unfaithful. So we should devote ourselves to the preaching of God's Word, teaching sound doctrine, the ordinances that Christ has established, refuting those who contradict sound teaching, equipping the saints, all of these things. So the task of the church, responsibility of the church, is important for us to uh, focus on. Yeah, so there are other institutions, though, in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it that is unique about the church? What has God given the church to do that he has not commissioned any other institution to do? Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we are to make disciples. Uh, We are his outpost, the outpost of heaven on earth. We are the representation of his kingdom in the world. Authority and responsibility seems to be at play here in this affirmation. The last sentence says, We affirm that under the Lordship of Christ we are to obey the governing authorities established by God and pray for civil leaders. So the church should be interceding for civil authorities. We should be submissive to spiritual authorities because God is the one who has established those civil authorities. We are to obey them under the lordship of Christ. So if Christ tells us to do uh, something and the civil authority says, don't do it, then we must obey God rather than man. Um, But we should um, thank God for this structure that he's put into the world and not go after the tearing down of all hierarchies. That would be a bad route to go. So our local governing authorities tell us that for our church meeting facilities that we have to have one parking spot, one parking space for every four seats that we have in our worship facility or for every four people that we can accommodate. Um, is that infringing upon our authority as a church? No, I don't so think so. So we should do that. I think so. Even yeah. though it's a pain. 
You know, it's a pain. Yeah, I agree. What about the denial? Says we deny that political or social activism should be viewed as integral components of the gospel or primary to the mission of the church. Though believers can and should utilize all lawful means that God has providentially established to have some effect on the laws of a society, we deny that these activities are either evidence of saving faith or constitute a central part of the church's mission given to her by Jesus Christ, her head. We deny that laws or regulations possess any inherent power to change sinful hearts. Well, this part of the the social justice and gospel statement has probably received more attention than any of the others. And there have been a lot of folks, uh, friends, people that I would agree with on many, many things on these major issues who have taken exception or raised questions about uh, what is meant in this denial. And I think that the adjectives are vitally important here. So I tried to emphasize them as I read it, that political or social activism should not be viewed as integral components of the gospel or primary to the mission of the Mm, church. mm -hmm. So if we remember those ways of saying this, we're trying to protect what was affirmed, that there is specific mission that has been given to the church of Jesus Christ. And if we let anything else begin to compete with that mission of proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, representing the kingdom of God on earth, then we will be very quick to uh, to fall into mission drift. And I would want to emphasize that we, we do believe that as the gospel is preached, people's hearts are changed. And as hearts are changed, well, then... Uh, groups and societies are changed. Uh, there is an impact upon society where the gospel goes. This last sentence, we deny that laws or regulations possess any inherent power to change sinful hearts. So what we're wanting to emphasize is it's the gospel that does that. It's the word of God that changes hearts. It's not um, legislation that changes hearts. As hearts are changed, well, then legislation will change. And this this article should not be taken to uh, as a sign that the signers don't want to see uh, the kingdom of God established on earth. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hear Revelation, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and tell people to obey all that I've commanded. So there is going to be this um, uh, spreading out of uh, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. But that's going to happen as the gospel is proclaimed, as the church does what the church has been called to do, and then hearts are changed and transformed, then we will see the the fruit of those changed hearts in society. So you're a preacher of the gospel, but didn't I see you protesting at a Planned Parenthood facility, carrying a sign, speaking about the wickedness of abortion? You did. So is that, uh, are you guilty of violating what's being affirmed and denied here? I don't think so. Why not? This is what you just said. (laughs) The adjectives. So, all right. What about this? Can Mormons bring in the kingdom of God by protesting at abortion clinics? No. Why not? 
because they don't have that which changes hearts. But they're trying to do the same thing we're doing on that front, right? Well, thank God for that. They yeah. can go and talk about abortion being bad and wrong. But they're not doing it for the same reasons. They're not doing it with the same understanding of what the gospel is and who this God is who's given up his son for us. Right. And they don't have the power to really shut down the planned parenthood. At the core, it's going to require the changing of hearts. Yeah. And then laws will be the fruit of changed hearts. Now, some people, I think, uh, would look at us who sign this statement and would agree with it and would think that we're just pietists, you know, that we just believe we ought to come to church on Sunday mornings and close the doors and preach and pray and sing and then uh, kind of sneak out and go to our homes until the next time that we gather. But that's not the case at all. I mean, we have people in our congregation that regularly are involved in all kinds of efforts in hospitals, uh, protests and abortion clinics. I've spoken to our local city council and to uh, police authorities about just laws. And we're engaged in that because of our devotion to the gospel. But we don't want to put those things in the place of proclaiming that gospel and seeking to make disciples. That's right. So to summarize, the church is a distinct institution which impacts society. I think that's the that's the emphasis here. We don't want it to get muddled up where it becomes it, it, the church um, is found unfaithful to her responsibilities. Because if she's found unfaithful to those responsibilities, there won't be heart change and there won't be that influence in society. Exactly. Today we want to talk about a book by Patrick J. Deneen called Why Liberalism Failed. I believe that Deneen either taught or teaches at Notre Dame, and he wrote this book uh, this year in 2018. I was fascinated with this book uh, and found that it was pertinent to many of the conversations that are being had today. Uh, he talks about classical liberalism in this book. So when you hear liberalism, he's not talking about um, the left or Democrats. He's talking about classical liberalism. And he identifies that liberalism used to mean freedom from tyranny. So he's thinking um, when America is founded, the Constitution, these ideas that are present in uh, 18th century is liberalism means you're free from tyranny, tyranny from outside of you, uh, and then the tyranny of your own uh, passions and desires, being dominated by these um, lustful uh, affections within. And so with that idea um, came uh, the development of a, of a good society. There was still this sense of uh, tradition. There was uh, still a sense of authority, and tradition, authority, uh, family institution, those kinds of things didn't cause any problem with the idea of classical liberalism. If it's understood as I'm free, liberty, I'm free from tyranny outside of myself, I'm free from the tyranny of my own flesh. But he makes the argument that our idea of liberty has changed. And in the idea of liberty changing, that is the answer to why liberalism failed. What happened is we no longer 
talk about liberty as a freedom from tyranny from outside and freedom from the tyranny of my own uh, passions. But now liberty means being free to do whatever it is that I want to do. And we see this everywhere. We see it in Disney movies. Uh, when we talk about liberty now, what's, what's kind of pressed upon everyone's psyche is being free to do whatever you want to do. And he says, well, with that has come the failure of classical liberalism. With that has come uh, the breaking down of institutions, the breaking down of the family, the breaking down of traditions. And Deneen connects this idea to technology and how things have sped along there. So seems to me that the idea of liberty, freedom, what are we free from and what are we free to do is very important. And I think Deneen's book goes a long way to showing how, especially in America, we have this um, idea of liberty now that says I get to do whatever I want to do and that's producing all kinds of bad fruit. So how is this whole question of uh, classic liberalism versus what's going on today, how's that connected to family life and technology? I'm so glad you asked that question, well, Tom. It just, it just occurred to me. Um, well, if I'm free to do whatever I want to do, then I got no place for obeying my mom and dad, do I? Yeah, no. Unless you want to. No. Yeah, if I want to. And if I don't want to, well, then I'm going to throw off their authority. So there's a there's a breaking down going on in the family. A head of the home, my goodness. Uh, so you're going to be a husband. Well, you have uh, responsibility and authority. You are the head of your wife. Well, not according to Elsa from Frozen, who runs off from her responsibility and says... Oh, now you're hating on the Disney movies. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Yeah. Let it go. She lets hey, it go everywhere. I just, I listened to a leftist, uh, no, feminist just last week complain about Snow White. So who's this dude think he can just walk up on her and kiss her without her being uh, fully consensual in the process? I know, I saw so that. So you, you sound just like the feminist, man. That's scary. No, mine's an accurate <laughs> reading of the of the narrative. <laughs> Well, she goes off, says, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. And that is, I mean, that's exactly what Deneen's talking about. I tweeted it recently on and added Deneen and he liked it. So that's his approval of Deneen my, liked my connection. That's right. Deneen liked what you tweeted? That's right. With a picture of Elsa and her singing her little her little ditty. Oh, man. So y'all are like Twitter buds We're now. We're friends now. Okay. And so he evidently approves of what I'm saying about the way that this is uh, promoted in Disney movies. So no place for obeying dad and mom and of course that is what you see in like all of the disney princess movies some bonehead dad and who's keeping her from doing what she wants to do so he's got a new idea of liberty it's effect it's it's present in technology as well Deneen talks about that in his in his book because what do you do now um if you see something on the internet that you don't like click click it's gone um, what do you do if you find somebody trying to tell you to do something that you don't want to do? Unfriend. Unfriend. Unfollow. And so, um, again, technology, is, it's a tool and does a lot of good things for us. But one of the things it does is it plays into this sense that I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Uh, you know, back in the day, if you were sitting in listening to a lecture, maybe you're in the front row and you think this is boring. I want to get out of here. Well, you at least had to walk out in the middle of the <laughs> of the session. Now it's now you're live streaming it. Now you're watching it on the internet, and you can just quickly find the things that you uh, want to do, the things that you like, and not uh, have to put up with any anything else. So.
Very interesting. It's a good book. Highly recommend it. Okay, today we're looking at the ninth of the Tenth Commandments. And the Ninth Commandment says what, Jared? Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. So basically, tell the truth, right? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Don't say things that are inaccurate. Don't say things that reflect inaccurately upon uh, the people that you're talking about or talking with. I mean, this again ties right into the previous commandment about you show to each person who bears God's image that which he or she is due. Yeah. Well, we can see why we have problems with this commandment, because if we're going to speak the truth, then we have to know the truth. We have to seek to preserve the truth, promote the truth. It seems to me that one temptation as our society is somewhat on the, uh, the downward slope is uh, a temptation not to preserve the truth. So well, what, about my, what about my truth? That may be your truth, but your truth. that's not necessarily my truth. When preserving the truth comes into contact with your truth, you're going to get really upset with me. If I start preserving the truth, if you just stay in your lane, if I just, your tra- your truth, if I keep my truth over here and your truth over there, you'd be perfectly fine. But then I would not be preserving the truth. <laughs> and if I don't preserve the truth, then I'm not uh, obeying the ninth commandment. Yeah. And we're to regard each other's name. We're to regard each other's reputation. And sometimes uh, it, it, we don't always violate this just by telling blatant lies. Mm-hmm. We can just shade the truth. We, we can just leave false impressions uh, along the way. And it seems like social media has uh, turned this into an art form mm. in the way that you can say things, almost say things, imply things that give completely wrong impressions. The commandment would teach us that we're not only to defend... Uh, other people's name, but even defend our own name at times. Mm. Well, that seems really strange to you know, my ears, many people's ears say, well, I shouldn't be defending myself. Well, it's the same way they do not murder. There's a, there's a requirement, therefore, to protect life, even your own life, and uh, defend other people's names. Certainly, that's what we're, we're most guilty of is not protecting other people's names and protecting our own. But there can come times, especially in this social media day, when people say things that do, it, a reply should come from us to say, no, this isn't true, trying to explain what we really mean. So defending, protecting our own name and doing that for uh, others as well. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So are you suggesting that every time someone says something about me that is false on social media that I am to go and correct it. How dare you suggest that's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying. You've borne false witness against me. I did at least bear it in an (laughs) interrogative. I didn't actually make an accusation. (laughs) 
uh, we yeah we shouldn't get all hot and bothered about every little nick. So how does how do you apply wisdom in that? Because goodness, uh, a person could spend the rest of his life trying to answer every accusation. I think it comes from knowing the truth. And when is um, when is it just a minor infringement upon the truth? And when is it a significant one that yeah. says this needs to be addressed? Yeah, I, it's hard to write a rule about this because I mean, Jesus did not defend himself in the face of false accusations at every point. Uh, but he did uh, on at least one occasion in his trial. So, yeah, we need to love the truth. And, and to speak the truth and protect the truth, I think, with a higher regard than we would simply to defend ourselves. And if in the process of, of, of standing for truth, defending the truth, we are called upon to defend ourselves, then we That's should right. do that. That's right. Yeah, John eight forty nine. Jesus answered, uh, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. So... Uh, he's an example for us, not always seeking to defend our own name or boast in our own um, reputation, but to defend the truth, like you said. And at times that's going to mean um, defending even a friend or defending ourselves and certainly uh, defending those who are our opponents as well. That's right. And I think that is probably incumbent upon us in a, with a higher degree of uh, importance today than maybe at other times. We need to be willing to stand in defense of those that we don't agree with when they are being misrepresented. You have been listening to the Sword and the Trowel podcast with Jared Longshore and Tom Askell. This podcast is produced by Founders Ministries. For more information, visit www.founders.org. To hear more from The Sword and the Trowel, you can follow Founders on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by subscribing to our email list at www.founders.org.